Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma Crew. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Mind Your Own Karma, the Adoption Chronicles. Today, I have an adoptee story. In fact, a very personal adoptee story. Amy Hansen is on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit more about Amy. Amy is a domestic adoptee born in 1969. She was placed for adoption at birth. She grew up in a loving family and was well cared for. She was the happy adoptee, so grateful to her birth parents, for her adopted parents, and always trying to make everyone else happy. She was reunited with some of her birth family over the past five years, and recently came out of the fog. She's beginning to realize she was living behind the disguise of a happy, positive person who didn't know the loss and grief she was carrying. Today, Amy feels sad, confused, and angry about her adoption and feels that sharing her story is being honest for the first time in her life. Amy has been married to a wonderfully supportive husband for 30 years, and they have three amazing adult children and two golden retrievers. Here is Amy Hansen's adoption story. So we are welcoming Amy Hansen to Mind Your Own Karma today. Hi, Amy. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing today? Doing good. Nice and sunny day. So I'll take the sunshine. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So let's just jump in. I just want to hear, talk about your adoption story. What happened? What do you know about why you were adopted? Sure. So I was placed for adoption at birth, pretty much with, I think, the understanding that I was always going to be placed for adoption. My birth mom was in college. So was my birth father. They had dated and we're not ready to settle down and get married. So I think once the cat got out of the bag, you know, there was no other choice for her. Her parents pretty much said, you're going to place this baby and you're going to move on and forget about it. So you were born in baby scoop era, right? Yeah. 1969. Yeah. So, you know, in my whole life, thinking about that and understanding what these women went through without support and she was an only child too. So she really didn't have siblings that she could have leaned on and she hid her pregnancy from her parents until I think she said about six months. Wow. So she really kind of just took that on all herself. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, you're going to, yeah, have this baby and move on. She had already kind of made up her mind though, before that, that that was what she was going to do or. I think she knew that was probably her only choice. My birth father is also an adoptee. Mm. So I haven't had deep conversations about this. You know, I don't know if maybe he said, yeah, that's just what we're going to have to do. Yeah. I know she said she enjoyed being pregnant with me, but she just didn't have a choice. Yeah. So did you go to foster care at all in between? So it's funny. I know I was at the hospital for about eight days after I was born and I never knew I went to foster care until I was able to get my adoption file. Mm. And when I got my adoption file, I found out I was in foster care for another eight days. So that was something that I had never known before. That kind of hits you hard, you know, when you think about it. I don't know where I was. I don't know who took care of me. So that's something I deal with now. And I think other adoptees understand that, but people who aren't adopted, like even my adoptive mom, I said to her, I was like, I was in foster care. She's like, no, you weren't. Wow. I was like, 
but I was, yeah. I mean, and maybe she didn't know, like, I don't know what was told to her or not, but that was in my file the day I was dropped off at this address. And then the day I was given to my adopted family. So they gave you the address of your foster. Yeah. There's an address in there and a name and everything. Really? So I've tried to, cause I think it would be kind of neat to just reach out and yeah. find, but I haven't had any success with it. So. I'd love to know who had, I mean, cause that's just a big, especially, I don't know, for me, it's a big deal because I was there for probably two and a half months. Yeah. My birth mother didn't sign papers till I was like two months old. Okay. And so I just wonder like, cause you know, I had my uh, original name, which was Jennifer. Okay. And so did they call me Jennifer? Did they call me something else? Did they make up a name for me? Who took care of me? Like, that's a big deal. I was a little baby, you know, little helpless baby who had me. I have no clue. No idea. Have you tried to look into that? No. What state were you born Um, in? Indiana. So they did just open their records about five years ago. Yeah. See California, they're still closed. So there's, yeah, still not giving us any information. Okay. So how was your experience growing up in your adoptive family? So I consider myself a loved adoptee. I feel like my parents gave me the best that they could given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an older brother who's also adopted. Okay. We're not biologically related. He struggled more. He was, I guess, you know, as we put these out there, right. He was the one who kind of rebelled and yeah. caused the havoc in my household. And I was the one who was like, Ooh, I've got to be like, what do you need? Look at me. I'm so good. I'm going to make everyone happy and not cause any problems. Right. So, but you know, a typical childhood, I felt like my parents did go on to have a child of their own. Um, wow. So I have a younger sister, eight and a half years younger than me. And we have a really good relationship. Did they think they couldn't have any kids? Is that, you know, it's so funny because as these things have come up that I've been thinking about, I've asked my mom and I've said, well, why did you adopt me or whatever? And she's like, well, it didn't matter how our family came together, you know? So she really isn't giving me much answers. So, yeah. um, and I haven't pressed the issue just because it's frustrating to me. <laughs> right. So your adoptive brother, did he search for his family or? He did after I did. So it was very interesting he never really thought he was that interested in it. And I, I guess he had struggled with some alcoholism and drug abuse. And my parents thought that somewhere in his adoption records, I don't know what they had, that his birth mom had also had some issues with that. So mm-hmm. I think they had tried to reach and find her just to kind of know family history, but they were never yeah. successful. So he never pursued it. Then when I did, he thought it was really cool because I did find out and meet biological family. And so I bought him a DNA kit because I said, you know what, for your birthday, let me get you one. If you're interested, fine. Yeah. And so he wound up doing it and he did also find his birth family. It was amazing for him to, to oh, get that. Good. So, Yeah. So did you guys always know growing up that you were adopted? Do you remember being told? Yeah, no, I always knew. We always knew. And I even had this conversation with him recently. We don't talk a lot 
we're not really that close, but when these things have come up and I've had questions, like he has a memory that I feel like he can remember back to when he was like four years old. So I was like, <laughs> Hey, do you remember when we were told or you were told? And he said, he never remembers a sit down either, but we always just knew yeah. we were adopted. Yeah. That's how I was too. My mom made up a, well, they should make it up. It was a story about how they, you know, got me. And she said, I'd just be changing your diaper and I just tell the story, you know? And so I always knew, like, I don't ever remember being told. I think that's the way it should be. I think that's great. Even at six years old, if you're sat down and told, I, you know, I've done a lot of interviews and people are just like, that sticks with you right? in your mind. It's like, wait, what? You're not my mom. Like I didn't, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. No, neither do I. So do you have any feelings surrounded being adopted when you were little and then, you know, even now? So when I was younger, I really did. I mean, just like I think a lot of us are told we're special, we're lucky. And I believed all that. Right. And so the story too, of my parents were young and they didn't have jobs. They were in college. They couldn't take care of me. I believed all that. And, you know, kind of understood, I guess, as much as I could. Mm -hmm. So I have very close friends, family members, my husband, who, when I did decide to kind of search and look, they were like, really, you're doing that? I thought you never cared. But looking back, I feel like I probably always, I mean, I always wondered, I always wondered my birthday, Mother's Day, you know, who do I look like? Is my mom thinking about me? That kind of stuff. I did not mirror my parents' Blonde hair, blue eyes. They were dark hair, dark or hazel eyes, pretty dark complexion. So I didn't fit in with the mirroring of my family. Mm -hmm. So I did always feel out of, I won't say out of place, but you know, when family gatherings, when they would be like, oh, look, your cousin has that of her aunt, you know, and I would always look at their faces and just any parts of them and be like, oh my gosh, you have a freckle here. I have a freckle here. Like, it's just trying to put that. Yeah. Just to kind of feel like I belonged more. Um, So I don't feel like I had a problem if anyone would have asked me. And I do have close family members who did adopt and had asked Mm -hmm. me prior to adopting just how I felt about it. And this is many years ago because their children are adults now, young adults. And I said it was great. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to be so lucky to be with us. You know, Mm -hmm. I was saying those things. Yeah. And Things have changed since I have, you know, I don't know what what it is, if it's because of the age we are, that you can start putting words to maybe thoughts and feelings you've had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm still trying to work through that. Like, why does this all come out now? Yeah. So when I did start struggling, this family member was like, but you told us so many years ago. <laughs> and I was like, well, things change. Yeah. I think you're not given permission to, you know, have the feelings because of what we are told and what they were told to tell us, you know, and then when you're older, you kind of get to that point where you're like, you're starting to stand on your own two feet and not conform as much. And then all these things start coming out and then Mm -hmm. you can look at them differently. Growing up, we just have like these blinders on. You don't want to think that you're not a part, that you don't belong and all that stuff. So, you know, but yeah, as you get older, you definitely start kind of coming into your own and being like, oh, wait a minute here. (laughs) Exactly. And I think too, more of it came, I've been in reunion with my birth mom 
and three sisters that I have through her half sisters. Mm. And I met my biological father once and we really don't communicate because of him now. But I think once I started building a relationship with biological family and getting to know them is when I kind of came out of the fog because mm. I could see similarities, you know, in our features and and some just commonalities that I had with them that I didn't have with my adopted family. And then I, it became like almost in the middle, like I was in this place by myself where here's my adopted family that I was like, I grew up with them. I know they loved me, but I don't connect. I don't see any genetic mirroring with them, right? And then you have your biological family that you've now met, that you want a deep connection with, that you want a bond, and they can accept you and they can be delightful and lovely and caring and open, but you never have what you would have had if you grew up with them. So that I think is when I really noticed what I missed out on. And it's not so much like you missed out, but it's also like not being able to express yourself as an adoptee, as a younger person. And I think that's where we're failing right now is these secrets. When I was told my parents were poor and young and they were in college, you're like, oh my gosh, if I don't have money, is that going to be a bad thing? So like, there's so many things that were told to this child to make sense of it all. But as you get older and you think, oh gosh, they were in college and they didn't have money. And so if my dad loses his job and we have to move, like those were stressful things. And it was never talked about. And I never talked about it because you were like, I don't want to be sent somewhere else Mm, if, you know, this is going bad. (laughs) Well, back when, you know, we were born, it was like the, the adoptive parents were told, you know, integrate them into your family. And so you just don't talk about it. You don't talk about that you were adopted at all in any way, but it's the elephant in the room, especially for the adoptee all the time, because we want to talk about it. We do have questions. And the more you try and force the issue that we're a part of you, the more we feel different because we already feel it. Exactly. (laughs) So not talking about it isn't going to help. So, you know, I'm hoping the narrative's changing with that because we're coming out and talking about our stories and things. And I really want to draw in all the constellation together, because even hearing, like you were saying earlier, the birth mother's perspective, I have so much more compassion after doing a couple of birth mother interviews, but I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad I'm bringing that to, to the table because it is a part of the story. It's a big part of the story. Right. And like you said, when that separation happens between the mother and child, even meeting later on and having that reunion, that bond was severed. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. you can't reconnect it. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So with your half sisters, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about them compared to the siblings that you grew up with? Do you still have that bond or is it different? So I would say with like, with my brother, I don't feel like we ever really bonded like a strong brother, sister. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got along, we did our thing, but I don't feel a strong connection to him. Mm-hmm. And I think he feels the same way. You know, we see each other maybe a couple times a year, you know, happy birthday on the birthdays yeah. and stuff like that. And occasionally we get together. My younger sister, we talk all the time. So we have a good connection. And I, I think maybe because we're girls and we're sisters and 
I went through all the experiences, you know, getting married, having children way before her. Mm -hmm. And then when she had that, you know, I was one of her sounding boards. So we still have a good relationship. My half sisters, you know, we're trying to establish more of a relationship. One does live about 45 minutes away and we see each other more regularly. I mean, I see her more than I see my brother. So Mm. (laughs) I guess that's that. They're very open and accepting But again, if you're not with them constantly, you're not going to build that relationship of like what you consider a sister. I mean, I have a high school friend that I would consider I'm closer to than, you know, my half sisters Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's pretty much common. So how is it growing up with your sister since she was biological? Did you feel any difference in with your adoptive parents between you and her? really didn't. But then again, she was the baby, right? So, and being so much younger than I was, it wasn't like we were competing against the same type of attention or things like that. So I don't really feel that she got anything more. I know with my mom's parents and my grandparents, they really took her under their wing. She had such a great relationship with my grandfather Mm -hmm. that I didn't have. But then we also didn't live near them when I was younger. We moved back toward to where my parents family were later. So she was probably younger and just got more time with them. I'm guessing my adopted father has passed, but my adopted mom is still alive. And my sister and I struggle with kind of similar things with her, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the adoption aspect of it. I'm struggling more with her, my adopted mom now. And I think my sister and my adopted mom have conversations about me. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, what's she going through? And then, you know, my sister kind of stands up for me. So my sister gets a lot of the brunt of it. If mm. I make my mom upset with what I'm going through. Yeah. But, you know, my whole life growing up, both my parents always said, if you want to search, we would help you. Mm. And so I never reached out and asked them for help. But when I was doing DNA and I was matching and figuring out all the puzzle pieces, it became really exciting for a moment Mm. with my mom. And then when I did meet my biological mother, she didn't come. Obviously I met with my husband and her husband and my sister and her husband, but I called her so excited after we had met and she got angry with me saying she wanted to go. And yeah, I got that, you know, when you get that kind of a comment and you're like, this was my whole world, the adoptee who was there, to do what she wanted. Mm. And now I didn't do what she wanted. And now she can't deal with it. Yeah. You know, so there, I really struggle right now. Like our relationship is such a struggle. Mm. So ever since then, or ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it has to be hard. Like I understand it has to be hard, but I think, I mean, I have friends, my husband's not adopted that I talk to about this and they can be understanding. They can listen to the podcast and have questions for me. But my mom just is like, oh, you still go to therapy? Oh, you're not better yet? You know, Mm, like, like I'm just going to be fixed. And so I said, you know what? This has been going on for over 50 years. I think I'm going to be in therapy for a while, (laughs) you know? And she doesn't reach out and say like, she'll say, oh, how are you? Mm. Not really a genuine, like, how are things really with you? How are you feeling? Like, I don't get any of that. So it's so hard because you just want that from a mom, right? Right. I know a lot of times it feels like the adoptive parents, like, 
When are you going to stop talking about this? When is this going to stop being an issue? I think they feel like they did everything right. What could they have done different? And they did. They did everything right. Most of them. I can't say everybody, but Mm -hmm. for my experience, they did everything right. But there's nothing that they could do to fix that broken relinquishment bond. Mm. There's nothing. No. So that's going to be there but they take that on themselves and have guilt about maybe it's something they didn't do. And that's just not even the issue. Right. Right. And I try to say that I'm like, you gave me a good life. I'm not, I'm not replacing you, but you have to be understanding about me learning about my origins and my connections with birth relatives. Like that is such an important thing. And she had such great relationships with her aunts and cousins and her brother, you know, and I'm just like, don't you see that? Those are things that you got by being kept in your family and raised by your biological family. Well, one of the examples I always say is what if, you know, you were switched at birth and you took home somebody else's baby and you thought that was your blood relative. And then you found out later that your baby is out there somewhere. Would you still not want to know that other baby or flesh and blood? Like I think you would, even though, you know, I could say, well, you have a baby. So it's a big deal. Why do you have to know that? You know, why do you have to find your biological? It's the same thing. Like you just, you have to, you know, something from inside that you just have to know for most of us, I'd say. Um, Right. So looking back growing up, even like into your teen years and stuff, did you see ways that adoption played out in maybe relationships or anxieties or any kind of tendencies that you can look back and see? I think, and my husband, we were just talking about this the other day, that I was such an independent young person. You know, I got a job as soon as I could get a job. I worked hard at school. I took care of things on my own. I didn't go to my parents and say, I need help with this. And it's funny because I have older kids now who are older than I was when I did a lot of these things on my own. And they come to me and they ask, and I'm like, and I have to remember, this is normal. They don't need to know how to do all these things themselves because they are in this secure family, knowing that we're here for them and we're not going anywhere where I think I felt like I've got to do this myself. So I know what's going on. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to rely on anybody. I have control. To do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still do that? Do you think? Um, I'm better. I'm better. I used to be so competitive and I always had to be right. Things always had to be perfect. And I think because I'm going to therapy and because I think I've just had this revelation of, you know, how adoption maybe affected me growing up that some of these reactions, some of these tendencies just tend to be that survival mechanism Mm. that I don't need anymore. I'm a grown adult. I'm in a loving relationship with my family and I can calm down a little bit yeah. and, and let go, but it, it's just been a little bit of time. Last year, my girls even said, gosh, mom, you're doing so much better. You're so much calmer because I used to go off. So at the drop of a hat, some things would just set me over the edge. That was, there was no reason for it. Yeah. It just wasn't a reason. Yeah. So I'm noticing that more so I can control that a bit. A lot of times it just becomes a habit, you mm-hmm. know, that you keep doing over and over again. And you don't realize that it's just a habit until it's brought to your attention. And you're like, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. Right. Right. Like I used to never (laughs) like change something. Yeah. I used to never like when people would 
almost question me like you would do for your kids, right? Did you grab your lunch before going out the door? Like if someone asked me if I grabbed my lunch as I was leaving, I'd be like, what do you think? Of course I grabbed my lunch. Why are you questioning? Why wouldn't I have grabbed my Like, and that's so silly because they're just doing that to help me. But I wanted to be independent and like could do those things on my own always, but I didn't want someone questioning me if I had it. Yeah. And if I didn't have it, you know, then I would never admit I didn't have it. Right, right. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you struggle with the most about your adoption? I struggle the most of, I think, not having openness as a child, just in the fact of empathy, of acknowledgement that there was a separation and that I was just expected to move on and just live my life with this adopted family and never question it and never be told it was okay to feel sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I had moments as a child. I remember like not running away, but like hiding under a bed in a guest room. I just remember this one time and I could hear everyone yelling for me and trying to find me. I never said where I was and I fell asleep. And when I finally woke up and came out, I got in so much trouble, but it was like, I just wanted to be alone. I didn't want all these people with me And it might've just been a moment that I just needed time to myself and not have, you know, a reminder that I wasn't with my birth family or whatever. Yeah. So I struggle mostly with that. And and right now it's the relationship with my mom and she always wants to talk, always wants to talk. And then we try to talk and I try to explain and I just get frustrated and upset. So it's just more of me learning to be understanding that she's maybe not going to be the supportive person that I would hope for um, in all this. But it's really like the information that was kept and, you know, Mm. finding out that I was in foster care for some reason that just gets me, it hits me so hard in the heart and like, you know, around my birthday and I'm like for the next, you know, 16 days, who took care of me, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's where I'm at. And I, I struggle now with like you being in California that you can't get your records. And it just makes me so mad. For you yeah. and every other adoptee that is treated like that. Mm-hmm. How is that not your right, right to have the documents in your hands? Yeah. Every like other people can read your information. Yeah. But you can't. Well, even when I was, was an adult, I mean, I was 18, but still 18 is an adult. The adoption agency was corresponding between my adoptive parents and my biological mother. She was having medical issues and that should have gone to me. I was 18 years old. Yeah. Right. Nope. (laughs) Don't tell anybody, you know, like this was just between us, you know? And when I found that out, I was just like, um, well, what happened to her? Is she still alive? Is this something genetic? Now I'm in my twenties getting ready to have a baby. And I was like, what happened? (laughs) Do I not have a right to know what happened? You know? Right. So yeah. So thank goodness I did have reunion and found out all those things, but otherwise I wouldn't have. Right. I still wouldn't have known, you know, exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. So let's talk about reunions for a second. So how did you find your biological mother and father? Um, I did ancestry DNA and I matched with my birth father. (laughs) Believe that one or not. It was a username. So I didn't know his name, Mm -hmm. but then I matched with a couple other cousins, like first, second cousins that were actually maternal cousins. And I reached out to them because I matched with my father. I knew who was, I could separate 
the batches, which was good. Um, yeah. And so one of my cousins had a extensive family tree and I reached out to her and she was like, I'll help you. I don't know what you're looking for. So I kind of did the math. I, I had um, non-identifying information. So I knew that my mom was an only child, that her dad was one of seven, the oldest of seven. Oh, wow. So had some good clues. On this cousin's tree. Yeah. On this tree, she knew it. So she pretty much told me who she thought my birth mom was. And then just through ancestry, I found my grandfather's death certificate. So I was able to find her married name because she signed it. And then we go to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we found it on Facebook. So this was fairly recent. <laughs> so so it was in 2018. Okay. Yeah. So pretty recent still. So how did that go? So I reached out through Messenger. Uh, she didn't see it right away. And then I was like, okay. What did you say? I just, first off, I said just something basic, like, hi, I'm not sure how we're connected, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't get a message back. And I was like, okay, I'm getting tired of waiting. So I pretty much laid it out there. I'm like, this is my name. I was born on this day. I believe I have a common match with your father. And I listed his name. And then I said, I think you're my birth mom. When she finally opened it, and I guess that portal, I don't understand how direct messaging works if you're not friends. Yeah, um, it goes into some weird yeah, yeah bucket that sometimes you don't see for years. Right. <laughs> so she did see it. And then she did reply right back to me that she was so happy I reached out to her and that she was glad. Oh, okay. So that all went great. And she gave me her phone number and she's like, call me anytime. So of course I called that night, <laughs> right when it happened. Yeah, And we just talked right. briefly and it was really cool. And then we just kind of built a relationship through text messages and email, phone calls. So things are pretty good. I'm getting to know her and that's great. And so obviously she told me who my birth father was. <laughs> And I then reached out to him through the mail because Ancestry Portal, they weren't responding. I guess it was his wife who mm. was the manager of his account. So she never answered. I sent him a letter. He called me the day he got the letter and was kind of, I don't know how to put it. He, I mean, in a way he was kind of rude. He was like, okay, so I got your letter. I can't believe that you were able to find me this easily. And I was like, but you did ancestry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, wow. So I was like, nice to meet yeah. you too. <laughs> and then he like, just kept, cause I think my letter was just very like, hi, this is my birthday, blah, blah, blah. I would love to, you know, here's my kids. I just gave a, like a little rundown of who I am, what I was looking for, you know, medical information. So he list rattled off a couple things. Like I had a shoulder surgery. I had this, I had that. And then he warmed up a bit after that which was nice. I have a half brother that doesn't want to meet me from him. So we met one time and his, his wife came with, and she said, I said, could I get a picture? And she was like, I don't want to see this on Facebook. And I was like, mm, so you're not really what? so keen on the whole wow. thing. So wow. <laughs> You're not even a part of this lady. Stay out of yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, wow, that hurt. So when I left there, I was pretty much in tears and just so emotional because that's the last thing I wanted to do was interrupt someone's life and disrupt them and blah, blah. You know, like, I mean, it's true. I think a lot of people think adoptees maybe want something. I didn't want anything. Exactly. <laughs> I know. And that's, I mean, I'm sure there are adoptees that wanted something from their families when they found them, but 
I mean, I haven't heard of anyone that has been like that. It's like, I just want to know you. I just want to know my history. I want to know my right. medical history. And I don't want anything from you, right. but that's kind of when you were describing that, that's what it sounded like. Like, what does she want from right. us? And same thing with your half brother. He's yeah. like, I'm like, I'm not really like they're afraid. scary. I'm like, people usually like me. So I think that was like upsetting to me too, is that, mm-hmm. you know, feeling that rejection again. So we kind of kept in touch. We made some phone calls. We texted here and there. And then he kind of went cold on me. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what I did. So I just wrote him another letter. Like I would send Christmas cards and whatnot. And I wrote another letter that said something like, I'm here. I don't know what's going on. The door's always opened. You know how to get in touch with me. I don't want to disrupt your life. Sorry if it was an intrusion, whatever. And then- I didn't send him a text on his birthday the following year. And he sent me a text like, I can't believe you dissed me like that and didn't send me a text. And I was like, wait, but did you? And so I was like, did you? You're acting like a two-year-old. And then I was like, no, okay. I said, didn't you get my letter? And his response was yes. Oh, he did. Okay. And then that was it. I think that is the last time that he has responded to a text message of mine And I haven't gotten medical information from him at all, which, you know, I mean, he rattled stuff off the first time we ever talked on the phone. Can I remember any of it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So, um, so recently it's been bothering me. So I recently did, Mm. um, send him an email with some questions I had texted him, said, I sent you an email. I would love if you could answer some of these questions that you feel comfortable answering. Didn't hear from him. So I printed out the email I put it in an envelope with a stamped pre-addressed envelope back to me and asked him to please fill out if he felt comfortable with whatever. And if he wasn't going to do it, if he could give me the courtesy of just telling me he wasn't going to do it, Mm. nothing. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm to the point where I need to pick up the phone, but that's another, you know, deep breath hurdle that, yeah. But I'm just like, you have three grandchildren here who I think he had mentioned he had like some skin cancer removed at one point. And both of my daughters have had like precancerous things. So I'd really Mm -hmm. like to know the details, Yeah, you know, for my family, for my kids. Right. Like, how can you be this person that's so, I don't know, what's even the word to say? Yeah. Selfish. Selfish. Selfish that you aren't willing to give information that could be beneficial to yeah. human beings, whether or not you want a relationship. I'm not yeah. just because you tell me your medical history doesn't mean we have to, you know, go out and see each other and talk on right. the phone every minute. Right. And it's so frustrating because he was adopted. Like, I don't even know where he was born. I don't even know anything. That's even crazier. Yeah. I'm sure that's woven into his reactions um, somehow. Right. Too. Right. You know. Oh, I'm sure it is. Oh my gosh. And then the influence from his wife and his son. Right. Too. Yeah. That's another thing. So who knows what he's really feeling about any of it. Right. You know, or if he's even, he's probably still in the fog and doesn't even. Right. Just reacting. He's just reacting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. But to, yeah, but to do that is that's another level. Right. And I, <laughs> where you just won't give medical information. Yeah. And it was just basic. Like, I'm just like, you know, 
over a birthday uh, text, text. or a non-birthday text. <laughs> and his birthday's in May. So it's so funny. It was right around Mother's Day. So I think he sent me like, oh, happy Mother's Day. You must have missed that. It was my birthday yesterday. And I was like, who's sending that? Like this sounded like a seventh or eighth grader. Mm. You know, I just was like, what yeah. is so immature of a response to someone who really wasn't putting that initiative out there. And so here now I am right, and I get nothing. So I don't know if he's just a stubborn man and wants to just get the last word or no word, yeah. but it's pretty sad that he could be like that. And I just think then, do I really even want to know him? If this is the kind of person he is and can treat other people like this, like this is not someone yeah. I would surround myself with in my circle. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm kind of in that same boat right now with my biological mom. I'm like, I have this something telling me to reach out again. Right. Because she's 75 now. And should I try one more time? And I sent a couple emails and they've not, she hasn't responded and I refuse to call that's too personal for mm -hmm. me right now. I don't want to have that on the phone thing. So I'm, I feel okay with emails right now and she hasn't responded. I know she doesn't look at her emails that much, but right. yeah, I don't know. I sent her one on her birthday this year since she was 75, okay. super generic, but who knows? She could be listening to this podcast and she could be pissed at me. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too, is like when I first came out to like go on podcasts and share my story and just become more comfortable with it after finding such great adoptive mm. support groups and just feeling like, wow, this is not a crazy moment in my head. This is a real thing. Like When you hear other people say the words yeah, yeah. and you're like, that is what I've been trying to say, but I haven't had those words. Mm -hmm. And like, if someone's going to be upset with me because they hear how I'm feeling and what I'm saying, I'm sorry, but that is, you know, these are my feelings yeah. and it can only help other adoptees, I think, to feel, and even like adoptive parents yeah. and birth family, if they could just listen to the words that we say as lived experience, right? We have the lived mm -hmm. experience yes. and not put us down and say, yes. you know, now, or this or that, like, I'm sorry, we deserve it and we need to be heard. So, right. Yeah. The um, adoptive parents and the birth mothers that I've interviewed have both said when I've asked, you know, what would you tell another birth mother or something? They're like, listen to mm -hmm. adoptees on podcasts, listen to them because this is what's happening. Like you need to know. And I feel like every leg of the triad has their own fog oh, that yeah. they need to come out of. Oh, yeah. And so we need to be compassionate to everyone as to where they're at, but at the same time, not let it keep us from speaking our truth right. as well. That's not, that's not fair. No. So do you have any advice for people seeking to reunite with their biological families? So it was so crazy. I mean, <laughs> I think the biggest thing I look back at is maybe, I, I think I would have done it regardless, right? But I think now that I have sought out therapy and have been going to seek help in just understanding the trauma of adoption that it would be good to have a really strong support person who kind of knows what may or may not happen. Because even with my birth mom and our relationship, I feel like when we first connected, we talked a lot. We texted a lot. We were getting information back and forth and sending pictures. And it was just so amazing. Mm -hmm. And so here now we're five years down the road and some of the times she'll send, you know, a text message or whatever is like, oh, what are you doing today? The weather's really nice here. And I'm like, 
So that's all we've got now, right? We're just yeah. going to talk about the weather. And that really hurts too, you mm -hmm. know? And, you know, when we were supposed to originally schedule the interview, I had found out that she was in town and yeah. I didn't know. And it hurt me so much to know that she was 45 minutes away. And yeah. then I get a text from her, like on the Monday that she got back and she was like, oh, I'm so sad. We were so close. And I was like, yeah, but you knew you were close. I didn't know I was close. Why didn't you yeah. reach out? You know? Right. So did you say anything back to her? I did. I kind of said, gosh, I wish I would have known you were in town. And she's like, well, we thought about giving you a call, but you know, and I'm like, it hurts. That hurts so much, yeah. you know, from yeah. someone who was she seeing one of your sisters or yeah. 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 Wow. So, and that's the sister that I've gone. I mean, we go like, she's come to my kids sporting events. I've gone to her kids sporting events. So it's not like we haven't, it wouldn't have been like, Oh, Amy has to come. Like, yeah, it would have been okay. That's you so know, weird. <laughs> so I know. And then I think sometimes it gets to be, and I think that this way too, sometimes is I don't want to ask to put someone out. Like, I don't want them to feel obligated. We have to get together. Right. And I don't know if that's, how she felt like, oh, I don't want to, you know, it's last minute. I don't want to make them feel like they have to come see us, but I would have. Yeah. At, each at least say that <laughs> to say, Hey, I'm just letting you know I'm here. Don't feel obligated right. to come, but I'd love to see you, whatever, whatever. But, exactly. Yeah. So did she understand that you were upset? I think she was, but she kind of blew it off, hmm. you know, by saying, oh, we thought about it, but yeah, you know, the day got away from us or something. How far away does she live? She's four hours away. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. so, so you guys have met. We have met and we've done vacations together. And yeah, we, we do a lot of things together when we can, for sure, yeah. which is great. Have you done anything with her and your sisters? Yes. I mean, they've been at parties at my house in March. I have a sister who lives in Colorado. We went out there for a ski trip with her and my sister's family. So yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to like, get to know each other better. Yeah. Making a yeah. big effort. So, but it's still, my advice would be, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. It's as much as you think things are like fantastic. There'll be a moment that hits you so hard that will just, you know, bring you down in the dumps for a bit because it, whether it's that feeling rejection again, but it's ongoing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I've had that a few times. I've been blindsided. I'm like, I thought everything was good. Right? What is this? <laughs> yeah. It it's is. so crazy. Yeah. You know, you feel like you can't have these heavy conversations. We're supposed to get along. Everything's supposed to be great. And it's supposed to be like you see on TV where right. it's all better now, right. but yeah, it just put, it throws a whole nother monkey wrench into the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, the fog, are you in or are you out? Or do you even use the term the fog? I like the term the fog because I, yeah, I'm definitely out of the fog, you know. And was there something that jerked you out of the fog or I, slowly came out? It, it jerked me out. And I, I think it was after reunion, a few years after reunion, when, I, like I said, when I felt like I didn't belong in either families adopted family and biological that I was really this own entity on my own. And mm. it just opened my eyes to, you know, what I was masking, what I was like suppressing in my body and not know that there was trauma as an infant, you know, separated at birth. Right. So yeah, I'm out. 
<laughs> I would like to and go back mentioned... sometimes. I look at pictures and I think. <laughs> I we all say that. <laughs> I could go back and look. I've heard yeah. that a lot of times. But no, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. We do say that though. Yeah. So you mentioned therapy. Is there any other things that you've found that have helped you deal with the trauma? Yeah, I have a good therapist. She's really good. She's adoptee competent, I would say. She's not an adoptee, but she really knows her stuff. So that's great. The adoptee community on Facebook, I think is amazing. I did just yeah. recently meet up with an adoptees connect group in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's not in my state, but I'm close enough. And yeah. so going monthly to just be with other adoptees is awesome. Yeah. I have done a writer's, you know, adoptee writer group with Anne Peck. Yes. And then I did a, a retreat with Anne Heffron oh, and cool. it was on zoom. I would love to do an in-person retreat. Yeah. I think that's going to be a goal for maybe next year to just try to get that slated because it was amazing. Even on zoom, just having the connection and, and talking to adoptees and that just brings yeah. a lot of comfort to me to know you're not alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. So if you could give any advice to other struggling adoptees, anything else that you would tell them? I would tell them to really not ignore it, you know, not think that you're crazy or it's unnatural to have these feelings. I have a nephew who kind of had some struggling a few years ago and he called me and you know, I said, I totally understand. And then he got so concerned because he goes, I'm only 19. What am I going to be like when I'm 50? And I said, oh my gosh, you're going to be amazing when you're 50 because you're dealing with it at 19. Right. You know, so I think yeah. you need to deal with it. You need to get a good group of support around you. My best friend from high school, she is amazing. She listens to all the podcasts that I send her way and she always has questions and she mm. always you know, it's just to have someone you can lean on to say, do you need to talk? Are you doing okay? Because I feel like adoptees, a lot of times keep it all to themselves. Yeah. And you can, from the outside, look like you are 100% put together, but on the inside, you're crying yourself to sleep at night because of yeah. just the emotions that you're dealing with. And, yeah. and there's just such I guess they seem like they come from nowhere and it's hard for people to understand that you could be happy in your life with your family. You could be happy that you've met your biological family. Your adopted family could be great too, but yet you're struggling and sad and that's okay, but get yeah. help, get support. Don't do it on your own. Yeah. When you said your best friend would, you know, give you questions. That's big. Cause when you bring it up, you know, you might be just striking up a conversation somewhere with somebody and then you get into a conversation and you're like, well, I was adopted, you know, some situation where you kind of have to yeah. say, well, I was adopted. So, you know, and it's so funny how the conversation, the whole vibe of it turns like, right. you know, it's like, oh, we're not supposed to right. talk about this, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And so recently I was at a family event and my cousin's wife, I was talking to her and I said, you know, I was adopted, right? Her eyes got all big and she was like, she just shook her head. Yeah. But I was thinking, no, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't know. And then I got all awkward for a second. And then she was like, then she started asking me questions mm -hmm. and she was like, I'm so, she kept apologizing. I'm like, no, it's fine. Like we want to talk about it. It's everybody else. that doesn't want to talk about it. We're fine. You know, exactly. but she kept like, I'm so sorry. I'm being nosy. What about this? What about that? And I was like, no, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny how the whole tone will just turn. Like when you say you're adopted, it's like, oh, right. Oops, sorry. Right. And people even apologize. It's like, 
For what? Right. <laughs> Why are you apologize? Exactly. But yeah, it is it's so crazy. great to have someone who's there. Like, cause she was like, How have you been doing? I'm like, you know, I've been struggling a little bit lately. And she goes, You have been. Why didn't you tell me? And I said, you know, I just didn't. And she goes, Do you want to get together and talk? And I said, Yeah, I would like that. So, yeah. you know, we're planning a time where we can go and sit down and have coffee and talk. Yeah. But she'll be the one to like sit and listen, which is just and sometimes you need that outside the adoptee community because we feel so great in the adoptee community. We have a commonality and share mm. so many experiences that are similar, yeah. but to bring that sometimes to the outside where people aren't adopted to someone to sit there and genuinely care is mm. also a really great feeling. Yeah. And to have somebody that I think they feel like they need to help or fix or like give you some advice or something. And it's like, that's not what we need. We just need to be validated. Right. We just need to be validated and heard. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. Exactly. Exactly. That's the biggest validation is so Mm -hmm. important. So I agree. I have to say, I have been meeting the most amazing people lately on my interviews. Unfortunately, we don't live close, so I can't meet any of these people in person. Dang, I would love to meet some of you guys. But Amy's story is the perfect example of some of the hurtful things that can happen when you are an adoptee. Disappointment from your adoptive family second rejections from your biological family in different ways. I mean, even her birth mother not telling her that she was 45 minutes away. That is hurtful and makes you feel like, what happened? What did I do wrong? Why didn't you tell me? Why was I not invited? Many times the adoptee feels like the one in the middle that has to balance everyone else's feelings and emotions. And at some point, you just get so tired and you just have to be true to yourself. Relinquishment was not our fault and whatever traumas came with it was not our fault. But what is our responsibility is healing from these traumas. And I ask this question a lot on the podcast. And I ask people, do you think that you can heal from adoption trauma? And I get a variety of answers, but I would say 80% of the time, the answer is no. I do not believe that you can heal from relinquishment trauma. And to be honest, for a long time, I have not known what side of the fence that I felt I was on when confronted with that same question. But something happened to me yesterday that we are going to talk about on the next episode of Mind Your Own Karma that has made me decide which side of the fence that I am on on this subject. So if you're at all curious about what happened to me to make me decide, tune in next week. Thanks again, Amy, for coming on the show today and helping me educate the world. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.